Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to The Wild Initiative Podcast Network. Learn more and check out all the shows at thewildinitiative.com. You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, where we talk all things fishing, conservation, and the outdoors. Today on the show, I'm joined by Eddie Wittry with the Denver Program of Project Healing Waters. All right, welcome to episode number 15 of the Fish Untamed Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Eddie Wittree, who until recently was the program lead for the Denver chapter of Project Healing Waters. And for those who don't know, Project Healing Waters is an organization created to help disabled veterans when they uh, return from service back into civilian life. Uh, I'm going to keep this section a little short and sweet today because I did find that Eddie did a much better job of conveying um, the mission of Project Healing Waters and how much of a difference it's made in the in the lives of many veterans. So I'm going to just kind of cut this off here and let Eddie take it away. So without further ado, here is my chat with Eddie Wittree. Yeah, so I, I usually just start off by asking a little bit about your background, um, particularly as it relates to fishing. And I guess in this case, what, what kind of drew you to this position? I quite frankly, I, you know, I'd spent so many years teaching my kids how to fish and um, most years I'm on the water about 50 days. And so I'm a fish head. Um, <laughs> it's, it's what I do. It's uh, if I'm not fishing, I'm tying. And so for me, kind of what this was all about um, was my kids went to college and I was I was at the um, the ISC show and I saw a booth and it and it said 
hey, we we help veterans. And so I walked over and listened to what they did. And it, quite frankly, it was introducing somebody to fishing is like being on the sticks and having somebody in the front of the boat and mm. trying to get them to load a rod. Right. And right. Um, it, it was something that was really natural to me. And so what drew me was, is that I had capacity since uh, uh, my kids were spending all my money at universities. So it sounds like you transitioned from teaching them to trying to find uh, a new helpful outlet for your desire to introduce more people to fishing. Right. Just to share. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people who are fundamentally drawn to fishing have a degree of optimism. Right. I mean, what Mm -hmm. really defines fishers, I think, is what could happen this next cast and what could happen with a drift a little bit farther over what could happen. And it's it's sort of that that intellectual curiosity crossed with the real humility uh, that you're trying to fit into a fish's world, mm-hmm. right? And and as you know, they can trick us a lot. For something that has the, the brain this half the size of a pea, it's a little bit intimidating <laughs> to, to think that we can't always win. And, and, and I think in this world, um, we, we always want to be at cause. And I think that when you fish, you're you're neither at cause nor are you at effect. Your your job is to fit in, mm-hmm. and I, I I find that really really appealing. So was this you? You said you came across a booth, and I assumed this was mm-hmm. for Project Healing Waters. And mm-hmm. did you just get to talking with them and and say like, hey, I want to. This is something I want to do. I want to volunteer. I did. I just signed up, and then I had a buddy of mine with me, and I and his kids were the same age, and they were off at of college. And I said, Randy, you're signing up for this, and I signed him up that day as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you want to give a quick elevator pitch about Project Healing Waters? And then we can sure. jump into some of the, the finer details of it. Sure. Project Healing Waters is a real unique uh, rehabilitation program. And anybody that has a VA rating of any percent for any reason qualifies and as a participant, which is what we call the men and women in the program, they get at no cost to them, they can learn how to fish, go on all kinds of trips. We did 50 trips last year and uh, 25 were in the state and 25 were not. And they stretched from Alaska down to Belize. Um, and this was something that you had written down, but I wanted to clarify. Is that a, is this just for the Denver chapter that those numbers come from? Or yeah. is this uh, many chapters? No, no, just Denver. Um, okay. there's, a, there's four or five chapters in the state and there's about 100, there's about 200 nationwide. Okay. So, and you are the, you started as a volunteer, but now you are the program lead for Denver? I, I, I happily, uh, uh, this year found a new program lead. I've I've been involved with the program for eight years and, um, it's uh, Stephanie Herridge and she's a super capable, young, uh, hardworking, um, just the right fit for doing this kind of work. And she's now the program lead. It turned it over at the end of the summer. Okay. I bet that'll take a little bit off your plate then to kind about of open 20, up. <laughs> about 25 hours a week. So it, it's it, it's inconceivable to most people that uh, to pull the Denver program off, it's more than 10,000 volunteer hours. Wow. And yeah. that's across how many volunteers? Um, that's a great question. On the rolls, there's probably 300 um, okay. who are pretty active. Um, there's probably a core of about 50 that they're super active, but in between, you know, there's different avenues, right? There's outings or fishing trips, right? There's mm-hmm. rod building. Um, there's uh, fly 
fly tying, and then there's casting and rigging, right? So okay. really learning techniques and reading bugs. And so the, the program runs year round. So all winter we're building rods and time flies and then spring, summer and fall we're in the water. And uh, is there any specific qualifications you need to become a volunteer or just an interest in, in helping people? Do you need to have a certain fishing ability or anything like that? Yeah, there's there's probably, if you listed off the qualifications, one is you you have to have a genuine desire to make a difference or to help. You have to be able to untie a rat's nest. <laughs> you have to be able to get a fly out of a tree. And you have to have a real desire to net a fish. And if you can do those things, you're qualified. Okay. And, and, and quite frankly, what, what most people think in their first conversations, they believe that they have to have like guide capability and they don't, right? Mm -hmm. That's not, that's what it is. We have a one-to-one -one ratio on moving water. So you're literally working, even if it's a group trip, you're going to be working all day with a participant, usually with a second rod. So as you're trying to, you're seining and trying to figure out the bugs and trying to dial in, right? You're moving between rods or if it gets stuck in a tree, which happens a fair amount with mm -hmm. new fishers. And, and what you really, in a one-on-one -on -one situation, and somebody in one day on the water learns as much as if they were on five days on the water, right? Because you have somebody right there with you. Mm -hmm. Now, do the do the veterans um, get paired up with somebody at random, or do they get to choose their you know quote unquote mentor or guide? Does it depend on whether they fish before? You know, can you get somebody who you know maybe has has already fly fished and they want someone who actually does have more um, like guide capabilities to teach them you know more skills? Yeah, I, well, I would say that it's it's not as premeditated as that. What happens is is that, and I won't go into the planning process, but there's tons of hours that go into really setting up the day or the weekend or whatever the trip is, the logistics. And then you have a pre-trip meeting and everybody talks about sort of the abilities before you ever get on the water, before you leave on the trip. Mm -hmm. And then there's a natural pairing up of people that are really good working with newer fishers or, or um um, you know, gender-wise, also pair like okay. that. Absolutely, have women fish with women, men fish with men. Yeah, I mean, we absolutely cross over, but we just try to our whole, uh, just the whole motive and the the whole aim is to make people comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. So, do you want to talk a little <clears throat> bit about uh, kind of the benefits that um, a vet would get from a program like this, and maybe also talk about? What goes into a typical trip, like from start to finish, and, and maybe follow that up with um, some of the benefits that you see from these trips and, and where they get them? Well, because I, I think most people listening would rather get to the benefits right away. I'll give you the benefits, and then I'll tell you how we get there. Okay. So uh, the, the, the absolute fact is that when you're on the water and you're doing one cast, one drift, right, one fish right now what happens to you is is you you get into present time mm -hmm. and, and if you think about present time and the concept of present time in those moments nothing else matters right mm -hmm. the past doesn't matter um, if you're overcoming an injury the injury doesn't matter because it's this opportunity to be at present time and if you think about you know the different world religions and the different things that they do to get into present time because it's a very spiritual place now, it happens on a river, and it's beautiful, and that helps a ton. But the absolute fact is is the more that I put you in present time and the more that I put you in an environment that's beautiful and around people who really care, 
the past becomes less of an issue trip after trip after trip. And that's what happens. There's, you know, we have a lot of traumatic brain injury. We have a lot of, you know, you can look at most uh, people that have a disability rating and you would never know. You would, you would never know. You would never know that uh, their, their back has third degree burns on it. You'd never know that they have titanium in their skeleton. You'd, there's all these things you'd never know. Mm-hmm. But the absolute level of violence that exists today in war and daily and no letting up in, in places like Afghanistan and Iraq, it, it gets, it really takes a hold. The past takes a hold of the present. And so mm-hmm. when you fish or rod build or tie flies, it gets you in present time. And then you're in, you're in the company and, and of a bunch of people that have a similar experience, right? Because mm-hmm. if you consider you have a combat veteran who's on the battlefield one day and he wakes up in a medical hospital, their whole life changes so dramatically. And then they get pushed into the civilian world where they never thought they'd be at that moment. And so being in the community of people that have their same sense of humor, which is very unique and, <laughs> um, and, and that same, um, shared experience, they get right back to the comfort of that. Yeah, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I've, I've heard from vets that, you know, it, it's, it can be a little jarring to be so close to a group of people um, that's not your family and then to be taken away. I mean, it's it's almost the equivalent of being taken away from a family that you've spent, you know, possibly years with. So I'm sure this is a good way to kind of recreate that back in the civilian world, um, hopefully in a in a better environment. So now, now they can, you know, maintain these relationships without all the hardships of of war. So I'm sure that the social aspect must be just as, as big as, you know, fishing or even the, the focus on a single activity, just having that, that social bond with, with people who've been there before. Yeah. And, and I would tell you, I don't know that it would be better. And I, and I'm not being critical, but I'm just saying um, most, if you ask them, would you rather be back where you were before you got injured or medically retired? almost to a person, they would say yes. And so I think in the civilian world, we have this feeling that, oh gosh, now you're with all those people and you don't have the threat. Um, in their world, right, it, the ability to support and to save lives of one another is such, is such significant work mm-hmm. and, and really fulfilling in ways that's really tough for civilians to understand that, um, I think it's a great comfort, but most, if asked, um, would say, gosh, I, I wish that wouldn't happen and I could have finished my tour or I could have finished, um, you know, my career. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I'm sure that that's, yeah. that's probably what forms those bonds in the first place, too, is is being in that, that environment together and going through mm-hmm. those things together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we have great, I just would say one thing, we have great, great volunteers that are absolute 100% civilians and have no military background at all. It, it's not that you have to be in the military to serve the military. It's not that you have to be a part of a group to serve a group. Because um, we have fabulous volunteers that have had not one day uh, of military training. Mm-hmm. So how much do you think the, the actual fishing um, matters compared to, like you said, focusing on a single goal because i think that's why a lot of people get into fishing mm-hmm. is you know even if you're just stressed from work you know you can go out after work and suddenly all that matters is that one drift 
and keep an eye on that fly. Um, so that, of course, translates well to if you're, if you're trying to get over anything, um, any sort of you know stress in your life, having that single focus for even just a couple hours can be really helpful. How much do you think is related to that versus just the, I feel like, inherently calming nature of being on a river and you know being in nature where it's quiet and calm? Like, Do you think the, the fact that it's fishing plays much of a role or do you think it's the, the single mindedness of it while you're there? I think it's fishing. Right. Yeah. I think it's I think it's the the hyper focus on the activity in a beautiful place. OK. Right. I mean, we we carp fish a lot, too. Over the last couple of years, we've really moved into a lot of a lot of warm water. I mean, we have a great, great um, um, real supporter of the program who gets us on some wicked, wicked water and hygiene, you know, on 243 as you're going towards uh, Longmont. I mean, you're going towards uh, lions, I should say. There's a great lake system in there with some of the most beautiful bass you've ever seen, big bass. And we do a, a ton of water work on, uh, you know, with bass. Uh, we we carp fish a whole bunch um, and we saltwater fish and we uh, and we cold water fish. So I think I think, you know, on a trip when everybody puts their gear up and hangs their waders up and sits and talks. I mean, that's a really special time and you can't really recreate that mm-hmm. any any other place. There's something about being away from home and being away from the work of home and being a good spouse or being a good parent or whatever and just being I, mm-hmm. I, that has that has giant role. So the camaraderie plays a huge role. But the fact that fishing mostly happens in beautiful places, it it certainly is a bonus. Right. Definitely doesn't hurt to be in a, a beautiful well, mountain setting. Right. So do do the vets get to choose where they go on these trips? Because it sounds like you do do some pretty yes. exotic exotic trips too. Yeah, yeah. Well, a couple of things. Um, um, a guy named Dale Hartman does a fantastic job setting up the calendar for the year. Um, I, I'm a water booker, so I'm constantly on the search for new water. And one of the ways that people say, how can I help? How can I help? If, if you have a, a piece of water that you're really adept with, um, that's a great way. To, to be one of the sponsors of a trip. If you have private water, that's a great way to get involved. But what happens is, is we build a trip calendar and 45 days out before a trip, we put out an invite to everybody on the membership. We say, hey, this th- these are the characteristics of this water and this trip, and this is the skillability, who, who, you know, because mm-hmm. most, most every trip, just about anybody could go on. And then there's some of them are high altitude and some of them, are more difficult and we call them big rod trips right saltwater trips you have to get some saltwater training and pass to be at a competent level to be able to double haul in the wind mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of hard to recreate but certainly the skills of double hauling uh you know to be able to head out and so and so there's few there's a few trips that are limiting but most trips are good for anglers of any ability and we set them up that way so because our, our really our big first thing is how do I get you on the water the first time? Because mm-hmm. we'll invite people to join us five, six times, and they won't join. Uh, and our, our number one competition is the couch, right? If, if, if you have physical challenge or you have some emotional challenges and you don't like crowds, or you don't like this, or, or do I really want to do it? Or, you know, and, and having only been a man, I, I, I can only speak for being male, but men very don't very much like to, to start into something where they think they're going to look stupid. I mean, mm-hmm. let's just call it like it is. And so 
we do all kinds of things to make somebody comfortable and put them on water. That's why we love warm water so much, right? I mean, uh, bluegills are the gateway drug to fly fishing. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you catch 30 or 40 bluegills. I don't care how big, rough, tough marine you might be. You, you get a big smile on your face, and it's hard to get it off. And, and so we do different things to get to show people that it's doable and that it's not elite and it's not because, you know, it carries a lot of I, I mean, we, we have some every kind of military former military in the world. And, but we have a lot of badasses. Right. And and the thought of fly fishing, are you kidding? That's for a bunch of wimps. And so just getting somebody on the water the first time to feel the electricity that comes from a fish up through monofilament and into a fly line, you can't describe it. Right. And right. And, but, but once you have experienced it, it's amazing how the roughest, toughest people want to put the rubber, <laughs> pa rubber pants back on. That's one of my guys called the rubber pants and the rubber boots and get out there and try it again. And, and that's, that's the fun of it. Right. We, we try to make it so it's really approachable. Yeah, I'm sure the warm water helps not only because, you know, like you said, bluegill are just a fun, ton of fun to catch, but um, it probably, I you know, I feel like most people uh, have have gone fishing at least, you know, once in their life, not fly fishing necessarily, but, you know, most kids have, have thrown a spin rod out somewhere and mm -hmm. um, there's a good chance it was for something like bass or bluegill, whereas mm -hmm. I could see that, you know, hearing that you're going trout fishing for the first time could be a little overwhelming if you've never gone trout fishing before, which is, mm -hmm. you know, very likely a, a kid may have never gone fly fishing, but those 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 vets may have fished for bass or bluegill, even if it was years ago and on a spin rod, that's at least something they can connect with and say like, oh, I remember having a good time doing that. Uh, absolutely. And, and for a volunteer and somebody who's been doing it for many, many years, there's five words that, that keep you coming back. And it's this program saved my life. And it, you know, it looks like fishing and it smells like fishing and it kind of walks like fishing, but it's really an incredible form of rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. So let's jump back and talk about what goes into a trip, you know, start to finish. Oh, sure. What does a trip look like? How long does it last? What, sure. what are the day-to-day -day activities? You bet. Everything about a trip. Yeah. So uh, uh, an invite goes out and people sign up and every trip is staffed by, um, you know, the volunteers sign up and then the participants or the veterans sign up. And on every trip, we try to take 50 percent of the of the vets on that trip who've never been on the water before, been on a trip with us at least before, and then 50 percent who have. And mm -hmm. so that's how we keep mixing new people in. And roughly how many people go on a trip? How many vets? Um, our trips span from four people to 20 people. Okay. Like we'll go to Crystal Crystal Lake and TU always helps us and we have a whole bunch of people. Or we'll go to Rainbow Falls, so great sort of entry waters, you know, where uh, there are fish. Um, our bass trips are big trips. Um, but I would say a standard trip's probably – four to six participants and four to six um, volunteers. Okay. When we're floating rivers, it's a one to two, right? So you might have two volunteers, right? And and four participants. Um, it just sort of matters. The, the reason we believe in pairing up one to one is um, it's just for safety, right? Um, you know, as a guy that's done a fair amount of guiding, 
uh, one to two running between two rods, you can help, but you really, when somebody's a person who could potentially be at risk, could faint, fall face forward in the water, one-to-one -one is the right way. And it's also the right way for somebody new mm -hmm. to, to really keep switching rods out and get that one out of the tree while they continue fishing or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, so then... oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't chronologically. So 45 days out. Okay. <laughs> invite goes out. About a week later, people are chosen. So if it's a trip for four participants, four participants are chosen and two um, two standbys are chosen, alternates. And then they set up a pre-trip meeting. They talk about the trip. They see what gear people need. You don't have to have rods or you don't have to have anything. Even if they need waiters, we supply all of that. Uh, then we set up and agree on the sort of rally point where we're going to meet at what time and where, whether it's the Cabela's lot up north or it's out 285, uh, you know, at a park and ride or at the, the lots outside of Morrison. And then we meet up and we all jump in cars. The volunteers typically drive. Um, if a vet ha really needs to drive, um, we've got guys that have been in the backseat of Humvees that have done four flips in the air and somebody else was driving and it doesn't make them super comfortable having other people drive. So it's not any heavy handedness. If somebody wants to drive, God love them, let them drive. Mm -hmm. And so then we drive to the place. Uh, if it's a place we're staying, of course, unloading luggage and that sort of, if it's a dead day trip, we'll go to the water, sort of get set up. If it's float tubes, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, and then we fish, um, break for lunch. Um, on warm water trips, it's fun to have a barbecue. Uh, it, there's something about having a hot hamburger or a bass lake <laughs> that just feels real fun or veggie burger. Uh, and then um, fish through the afternoon and then load up and come back on a day trip. On a, on a multi-day trip, you know, we're out of town. Um, so we'll have to secure um, licenses in advance and, if we're out of state, um, stay at places, get up, fish the next day. We rarely fish more than three days in a row, usually two. So okay. drive, a drive out day, two days on the water and a drive back day. And then uh, you mentioned this before, I think, um, and I assume this happens mostly on the multi-day trips, but I assume there's, um, whether you're actually staying, I don't know where you guys stay, but... Um, whether it's an actual campfire or the equivalent of a campfire where everyone can sit around and, and talk. I assume there's a, a lot of um, just talking about either their you know prior experiences as a, a member of the military or just about their day on the water. Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, okay. absolutely. And, and you know, what's also kind of fun is that people in the military love to rib each other, right? They love, <laughs> oh, and so, you know, the army guys are picking on the Marines for using crayons to write their name. And the, <laughs> the army guys are picking on the Navy guys for being wimps and the Air Force guys for never getting dirty. And they go back and forth and, and it's, it's all in good fun. And it's what they did when they were in active duty. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, those, those times in the evening are really special and we don't camp much. We, we, we pretty much have uh you know, there's a lot of lodge owners that let us stay for free. Um, we try to, in every market, employ a guide. So at least one of the people on the trip is really familiar with the water, but mm. then everyone else is volunteer. And um, we provide all the food. Um, 
but we cover all gas for our volunteers. Um, and so the whole objective, I mean, it's amazing how we run that many trips and in that many places for as little money as we, as we, uh, as we spend. Uh, and so you're no, entirely, um, you're, you're, you guys don't make any money. You said that everybody in it is a volunteer. Yeah, there's, in fact, the only paid positions with Project Healing Waters are at the headquarters, and it's about 10 people, and they administrate almost 200 programs. So it's it's a monstrous volunteer effort. Okay. Now, where do you do you just raise money through um, like fundraisers or all kinds of different ways? Um, we do uh, fundraisers. We have one big, big fundraiser we do with Mountain States Lumber and Building Materials Dealers Association. They're fantastic. They provide the lion's share of our operating budget. But I mean, just today, there's there's a business every year that gives us five thousand dollars. A business person writes a check every December for five thousand um, dollars. But you know, three hundred dollars in our program totally funds a veteran for a year on the water. Oh wow! Okay, that's yeah. that's less than I thought it would take. Yeah, and and for in-state trips, you know, we're, we're pretty good at raising money. And so we try to have some pretty sexy trips. Um, and again, to get more people off the couch to get somebody say, you know, I'd love to go to Alaska. Uh, I'd love to fish pyramid Lake. We had, um, at pyramid Lake, and I'm not going to get my numbers exactly right, but I know that we had four fish over 15 pounds, four cutthroats. And I know that we had, like 20 something over, um, over 20 inches. So, um, we, you know, having those kind of headliner trips is a great way for somebody to say, man, I want to go there. Right. right. And, <laughs> and we, we go to Montana a bunch. We go to Wyoming a bunch. We go to New Mexico. Uh, we went down to Galveston and did redfish this year. We went to Belize, uh, for a week. Um, um, unbelievable. Um, and this was our first year actually to do a cast and blast where out of Thermopolis, um, we actually had a fishing and duck hunting trip. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. It's um, a good way to get your feathers. Right. <laughs> for, the, for the fly tying section. Uh-huh. Uh, do you want to talk about that real quick? Because it's not just fishing. You, you right. mentioned that they do rod building and also fly tying. And I assume right. those are also, you know, for people who are interested in, in those things. Um, right. But we, we, how do those trips go? Yeah, we do beginning fly tying where you give somebody the basic skills. You know how it goes. Uh, in a good beginning fly tying class, you get about 85% of the skills. You, you talk about 85% of the bugs, mm-hmm. right? And then in the intermediate class, we have different guest tires, right? So if somebody okay. says, how can I help? Well, you can come and be a guest tire. If, if you have some flies of some notoriety, you know, we'd love to have it. And we've had some phenomenal guest tires. But those classes run all winter. They they start usually about September and they'll run up to the spring. And then in rod building, we built over 60 rods last year. And again, it's no cost. So you build your own rod as a participant, you fish with it. I mean, it's a lot of fun to, to uh, tie flies and catch your first fish on your own flies, but it sure is a lot of fun to have it in a rod that you built as well. I just finished building my first rod and I haven't gotten to fish it yet, but I'm, I'm itching to, and I, I agree. I think uh, I'll feel more satisfaction using my own rod than uh, my own fly. I think mean, just yeah. the, the amount of time that you put into it, I think 
you just feel that connection. So I'm sure that's also a positive impact, um, not to take away from fly tying, but you can tie, you know, two dozen flies at a time. Um, I'm sure that there's there's a very rewarding feeling uh, for somebody who's who's come, I assume, to multiple sessions and and put time into that rod to then take well, it and catch a fish. <laughs> actually, actually, that's really worth talking about. First off, the fly tongues have been run for over 10 years by a guy named Ralph Rhodes, and he's tireless and selfless and putting together all those kits for each class, right? Mm. So you put together 10 kits with all the materials, all the hooks, everything somebody needs to be able to go after the class and tie their dozen. You can tie over a hundred flies all covered by the program. And when somebody completes all the classes, we actually give them the vice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so, but in rod building, it's also pretty amazing. Um, We have both nationally, we have national winners as beginners in rod building and fly tying um, because we have really great instructors. Pat Higgins is a professional rod builder has worked a ton with Cerebella and uh, a, a bunch of other companies. Cerebella is always good to us. They always provide volunteers. JP's always there. And what they do is um, build a rod in three classes. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And Pat really knows how to, you know, rod building classes were traditionally six or eight weeks. And that's, it's hard to keep somebody's interest. Pat teaches the basics in class one, you know, in class two, you're wrapping and then class three, you're gluing. And um, it's all of a sudden in three weeks, you've got your own rod. And um, again, all covered by the program. And it's, it's a, it's an amazing experience. And when somebody completes a rod, we also give them a reel and we give them line. Because giving somebody a rod is sort of giving somebody a bicycle without tires, you know. Right, just giving them something else to buy. <laughs> right. And so literally from that class, they have their own rod at their own time. It goes back to bluegills, to so chase bluegills and carpets. <laughs> you know, that's a good point, though, because I, I did find myself when I was doing mine um, – it was hard to pull myself away from it. And there were times where I hit a step where I had to wait, you know, I had to wait for the glue to dry or wait for something to happen. And I was like itching for it to, to finish up so I could move on to the next step. So I could, I could see that uh, doing it in just three sessions might be more appealing than having to wait months for it to actually finish. It is. Um, what are some of the, um, actually there's something else I want to get to first. Do you, sure. happen, do you notice that um, people get more, I don't know if I want to say emotional or mental benefits from the program, or do you also see physical benefits? Because I see there's a wide range of disabilities, anything from a physical disability to, you know, PTSD. And I think the, the emotional benefits are pretty obvious, but I, you know, fly fishing is also physical activity. Yeah. Um, I would tell you that, um, the CEO of the program is a, a guy named Todd DeGrossier and he's a Colonel, uh, Marine Corps is medically retired, um, real significant uh, injuries, um, especially traumatic brain injuries. And he used to spend hours in these rehab classes, putting bolts together and getting his his, his motor skills back. And um, he, he had really bad vertigo. And he had to learn how to play the guitar. There was all these occupational therapy kind of things. And then as he was introduced by the program, his counselor said, um, I want you to go fishing. 
And he was like, uh, could you please write a note for my wife so she knows that I'm telling the truth? <laughs> Prescription and, for fishing. Yeah. And, but, but for hand-eye, for balance, for coordination, there's actually a ton of physical benefits. Um, uh, especially um, brain injuries are so difficult to come back from and so frustrating. And um, it, it's a fantastic way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you want to talk a bit? I, I've got a list of things that you wanted to mention. And one of the things sure. was that you you never ask veterans about their disability unless mm-hmm. they choose to bring it up. So do you just want to talk about that a little bit? You bet. Um, we have a really neat way to sign up somebody connecting with the program on a cell phone through an API. Where uh, I'll be out someplace. Let's just say I'm at a biker ball. Just mm. as perhaps. <laughs> and, uh, and I see a, a veteran hat or I see a Marine hat, or I see, and I'll walk up and I say, hey, have you heard about Project Healing Waters? And they'll say, no. And say, well, if you know anybody that has any disability rating to any percent, they can come and fish with us for free. And we have trips from Alaska to Belize, and you don't have to know a thing. And, and we ask through people. And then that person will often say, well, I've got a rating. And I'd say, well, here, and I take my phone out and I put in 42828 and I type in PHWFF and I hit send and it says, please give me your email. And I hand my phone over and they enter their email and now they're immediately connected. They see all of our correspondence. They see all of our invites. They see all of our programming. And so on the sidelines, they can see if they like this program or not. Mm-hmm. Right. At the show. Right. Um, um, I, I know at the ISC, we signed up over a hundred people. Um, I know at the fly fishing show, we sign up about that many and we just take the friction out. It literally is on a cell phone. You're texting to a phone number, a shortened phone number, four, two, eight, two, eight. And then you put in PHWFF as, as the text, you send it out. It immediately says, welcome to project healing waters. Give me your address. We'll get you on the email list. And by doing it in that way, without friction, Right. And without coming up to somebody and say, do you have a disability rating? Right. It's just not it's just not a it's not a very polite way to do it. But mm-hmm. when you and you when you ask through people or, or no, I don't. But I say, well, here, let me get you on the, the mailing list so you can refer them to us. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny how many guys sign up their buddies and their buddies sign up them. We, we were at a, a pre-trip meeting and. And when it's somebody's first trip, we say, how'd you find out about us? And he said, well, Joe signed me up. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said, uh, and I said, well, Joe, how'd you find out about us? He said, well, Eric signed me up. So a lot of times guys joking with each other will sign each other up or sometimes seriously really want them to enjoy. You know, it's a benefit, right? We have a great debt to the people who have served us. Mm-hmm. To, to do our very best to help them in civilian life. Mm-hmm. And gosh, it, you know, I have people say, gosh, I only have 10% hearing loss. I have 10% rating. It's for hearing loss. I really don't, I really shouldn't fish with you. And I say, you should absolutely fish with us. And they say, why? And I said, because you'll be in the company of other people that would really benefit from knowing you. Right. I can afford to fish and I don't need it for free. And I was a real successful investment banker and I'm retired. And I shouldn't sign up. And I say, yes, you should. Because you could be a great mentor to somebody who's making their way into the civilian world. Mm-hmm. 
So do you find that people, um, and I'm sure this is a, a, this varies, I'm sure, but do you find that people come on a couple trips and, um, I don't want to say are, are healed after that because I think that would be not doing it justice, but, but find that they have gained the benefit that they want and are ready to move on? Or do you find that people come back for years and years and, and turn it more into a, a lifestyle that they continue with permanently? I'd say it's about half and half. I, okay. I would say, I would say half the people really get involved with the program and we see them for years. Okay. Um, the other half really fall in love with fishing and they go all the time on their own and they form all these friendships and they fish as much well, way more off of our trips than on our trips with, with new friends that they have in the program. Um, I, I, when somebody said to me once, you know, I've been around a lot of volunteer organizations and I've never found so many quality volunteers that really want to help. And I think that that's what surprises people. What surprises people, especially in the military, there's so many civilians that really want to truly share this experience with them and and have them catch the disease uh, of wanting to be on the water all the time and mm-hmm. uh, liking to look at rod racks on cars. And um, that, that shared experience um, and, you know, we, we, we don't make it overly like mysterious or gosh, we're, I mean, not a, one of the volunteers is tasked with healing anybody, right. Or rehabbing anybody. Mm-hmm. They're tasked with having a safe, comfortable, fun trip. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty fun volunteerism. Yeah. I think you made a good point that it, it kind of has to be a very selfless group of people just because if, comparing it to some of the other um, fly fishing or fish related nonprofits, let's just say Trout Unlimited. Obviously, I have no problems with Trout Unlimited, but you could be getting into that kind of for a selfish reason. Like, I like fishing. I really want to have better water to go fishing in and more fish to catch. But in this case, um, if you're volunteering, you're not, you know, improving the fish stocks for your own good. You know, if you volunteer, you kind of have to have a hundred percent focus on helping somebody else. There's really no, I don't want to say no benefit for you. Cause I'm sure that the volunteers do get a very high level of satisfaction out of, of mm-hmm. helping people. And I'm sure they make lasting relationships, but it doesn't come from a place of um, wanting to improve anything for their own lives. It, it comes from a place of wanting to improve other people's lives. Uh, I agree with everything you said. I, uh, everybody's, and I can say, I, I hate absolutes, but I would tell you that everybody who gets involved, has a genuine desire to make somebody's life better. Okay. Mm-hmm. And fishing is just a vehicle. That's, that's all fishing is, is just a vehicle to do that. Right. Uh, what I'd say in the same thing is I think a lot of people are surprised is that they meet a lot of really great people, right. That, that our volunteers, once they get to know each other and they've never known each other before, they're headed up to Montana together. They're doing all kinds of things. And so, it, I, I think it's the quality about giving a shit about somebody else. And I, and I say that in a harsh way, but the reason I do is it's it, it, across everybody who volunteers, they, they really give a darn, right? They really, and when, when you're around those kind of people, right? Um, you, 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 you know, when, when you're working on a stream improvement and you're cleaning up the stream or doing this or that, or, and TU is really good to us, by the way. I mean, David and those guys are great to us. Um, it, you know, to your point, you're kind of doing it to make it better, kind of, if you're yourself. And, but you're still around a bunch of people that are trying to make something better. 
I think the difference is, is when you're around a group of people who have a common love of fishing, but they really want to make something better for somebody else, it's, it's unusual. And I, and I would tell you that for the first five years I volunteered on the program, I went on one trip. My work almost exclusively was um, foundational around org dynamics and how to make it grow and scale. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, it, you don't, it, it's not all about being on the water either. If somebody's especially good at Salesforce, gosh, we, we always need people in that. If somebody's especially good at um, events, uh, if somebody likes logistics, right? We have somebody that maintains our storage locker. She has a perfect inventory. She keeps track of the rods coming in and out. We have AEDs, you know, high value equipment. We have water-activated PFDs that are checked in and out. Um, that's a logistics job, right? That's not a sexy going, uh, you know, on the Green River, you know, uh, uh, around Siskadee, right? I mean, it's it's the work of the work. And it's when all those people come together and bring a set of gifts that they can share and that they can actually do the work around, is there's just a lot to be done. Mm-hmm. Have you had any vets come back to volunteer after oh, yeah. being in the program? Tons. tons. Okay. And what, what what our encouragement is fish with us for a year, right? Fish Because I have vets that come in day one and say, I want to just be a volunteer. And I go, look, enjoy the program. Fish with us for a year. Be among your peers and figure out what makes a good trip and a bad trip, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'll be a much better volunteer. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sure it's kind of a win-win. It benefits them in that they get to enjoy the program without, you know, the the stress of volunteering for a year. But also, I'm sure that that makes them more valuable to the next person that they're going to go help. Absolutely. Have you um has has Project Healing Waters ever thought of? I just thought of this because you had mentioned earlier that um, a lot of the vets do kind of feel a little uh, bummed. Is is not you know probably the right word, but um. They, they feel like they didn't finish what they started. You know, they, they went into the military and now they're back in civilian life and that's not where they had wanted to be. Um, has Project Healing Waters thought about ever incorporating a, a volunteer aspect similar to Trout Unlimited, let's say like stream restoration, where um, it would give vets the opportunity to, you know, feel like they're giving back? Because um, I'm sure there's, like you said, people have, have wanted to come in and volunteer right away. And I'm sure that comes from a place of, wanting to continue what they started and helping people. Um, has there been any thought of, of providing that as an option where, you know, maybe you already know how to fish and now you want to feel more like you're giving back instead of feeling like you are taking up someone else's spot on a fishing trip, but maybe you could go, you know, work on stream restoration or something else that's mm-hmm. still um, related to fishing, but you can still kind of have the satisfaction of feeling like you gave back. Um, yes and no. Um Yes, and that we have volunteer opportunities among the waters that we fish to help landowners sometimes or um, to we, – we have volunteer things that we'll put out an invite for and say, hey, would you like to do this or that? Mm-hmm. And we absolutely do that. But the 501c3 is super focused on what we do, right? Okay. Um, um, and so – and there's – without getting overly – wordy on it um when you stay in your lane and you do really really good work at what you're really tasked to do you generally do a better job sure right yep and so um 
we probably, we try to stay in our lane. Uh, we have a lot of referring agencies to get people uh, free wheelchairs uh, to get, I mean, w- we can be an outlet for a lot of things, but we really try to stay in our lane in terms of what we deploy person power against. Um, but it's not to say that we haven't, and we have. I mean, we've even had different times and seasonal opportunities. Uh, uh, Colorado Native came to us and said, hey, we've got this, we're running this production line and they're great guys. They're great supporters of the program and course guys. And we said, we, we've got uh, a great paying job. That's a couple of shifts over these three or four days where we could take 10, 15 people cleared it through the national organization. Cause it's off strategy for us, but it was a real fair living wage. And they had a great time. They said some of the hardest workers they've ever had on the line guys got picked up a little holiday money. It happened right around the holidays. And so, but in general, we pretty much stay in our lane. We'll we'll make people aware of things, but you know, being good at, it's it's like great startups. When a startup's super focused on, on what they exist for and what they're out to do, they're far more successful than really creeping out into a lot of different areas. Yeah. And that makes sense too. I mean, with, there are a lot of other opportunities, you know, you know, if someone could go to Trout Unlimited, if they if they want to be more on the volunteer side, but I just wasn't sure if, if any of the vets had expressed an interest because you had mentioned that they um, sometimes you know don't don't feel like they should be in the program, and it, it sometimes seems like maybe they want to feel like they're helping more. Um, but but you make a good point that you know if you well, if you want to do it well, yeah, you you're, but you're it. you're absolutely right. I mean, the common thread among ninety five percent of all vets is they want to give back. To a program that's given to them, so you're, you're spot on. Mm-hmm. But we have we have enough to do within ours. That <laughs> we 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 can give them stuff to do. Do you um do you just want to kind of end by uh, talking about how either if you're if you're a vet or if you're somebody who wants to volunteer, um what the what the steps are to get involved and what you can kind of expect along the way of of the process? You bet. First thing I'd though I'd love to say is thank you. Um, when you gave, uh, when you dropped me a note and said, Hey, can you come on and talk to us about this? Um, I'm, I'm really, really, really dedicated to this program and, and the good that it does. And so it's people like you that really help us with awareness, right? Our, our biggest challenge isn't money, right? It's, it, it's enough awareness that we can get us. The program has grown from a roles about seven or eight years ago, about 50, our mailing list today has 1,500 names on it. That's incredible. So, and it's through some scaling things. And so the very first thing I want to say is thank you um, for, for giving us this time. Um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you how easy it is to sign up for, as either a vet or a volunteer or just somebody that wants to know more about the program. Take out your cell phone and in the telephone part, you put in 42828. That's 42828. And when you do that, and then in the message area, what you're going to text, you put in PHWFF, stands for Project Healing Waters Fly Fishing, PHWFF. You hit send, and it'll ask you for your email. Emails are never shared. We, we have a constant contact database. We really covet it and care for it. Mm. You can you can unsubscribe at any time, but you can start to read on the sidelines kind of about what we do. And, and where we need help, right? Um, is um, anything 
that somebody wants to do in the organization. And then from a general public standpoint, we have all kinds of people that run their own fundraisers for us, right? The ski train, uh, every spring, there's a group of guys that do a great job on that. We've, we've got, um, the, the big event around veterans day. Um, we've got people that do donations. We have people that say, I want you to fish on my, on my ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Anybody that really has any desire to help, there's a way to get involved and to help. Okay. So it sounds pretty pretty open. You don't need to yeah. have a specific, um, you know, very fly fishing focused skill set. You could just basically have a desire to help and th- there will be a spot for you if that's I'd, the case. I'd say over half the people that join us have never cast a fly rod. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're curious about it or the VA, we're really, really highly regarded by the VA as an effective, efficacious method. And so um, there's murmurings about us. Uh, And, you know, it's a daunting sport, right? If you don't have a mentor in fly fishing, there's very few weirdos like me that just wanted to learn and, and flogged around and I, I remember years ago, I used to bring a 12-pack of beer to my local fly shop an hour before close on Friday nights when nobody was there. And I had my Whitlock book and I learned all my bugs, right? And and I learned them by the currency was beer and nobody was in the shop. And I learned all my bug groups over about a six-week time. And, you know, nobody does that today, right? You have somebody takes you right mm-hmm. and they start to teach you knots and they they put you in the right place and and if you don't have somebody like that you generally don't go into fly fishing and when you have somebody like that or an organization like this it's attainable there's no cost no cost to the veteran at all and for a volunteer any costs that you incur are covered and when we raise money it gets sent all back to the national organization and then by receipts only and approval from the program lead do you get paid back? But everybody gets made whole. And so it's just, it's very pure of intent. I always joke with sponsors that we'll never be the organization that ever embarrasses them because we don't have any money. So <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Well, it's great to talk to you and thank you so much uh, for this time. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I, I'd encourage anyone who um, either is a vet and wants to join or who just has a little extra free time in their week and wants to, to help out. It sounds like it's, it's really easy to get involved, and I'd encourage anyone to take you up on that. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Eddie. All right, and that'll do it. As always, if you liked what you heard, go ahead and go over to the Wild Initiative podcast. You can subscribe there and get my shows biweekly on Thursdays as well as all of Sam's other shows throughout the week. You can also find all my episodes on fishuntamed.com in addition to backcountry fly fishing articles. You can find me on social media under my name Katie Burgert on Go Wild or at fishuntamed on Instagram. And I will see you all back here in two weeks. All right, bye everybody.